Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Gish, Crohn's warrior and IGA nephropathy warrior, and I'm dedicated to sharing the stories of those with IBD. Thank you so much for joining me today. Now let's get to it. Well, hi, everyone. My guest today is Chrissy Y. You might know her as at Life with Crohn's on Instagram. She was diagnosed with Crohn's disease in 2005. From diagnosis to treatments, she's here to share her journey with IBD and how she raises IBD awareness through education and humor. Thanks so much for joining me today, Chrissy, and welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to meet you finally. It's a pleasure to meet you. I always love meeting my Instagram, the people I follow on Instagram, meeting them face-to-face, so to speak, even though we're not in person, but I, it's nice to have a real conversation. So very excited to meet you and, and hear all about your story. Thank you. So let's go ahead. Let's jump into your story. Let's jump in with your IBD journey. And can you start us off by sharing your Crohn's story and talk about how and when you were diagnosed? Yeah. Um, gosh, it was a very long time ago, or at least for me, it was a very long time ago. Um, my symptoms started in 2004. I live in San Diego and I go to the beach a lot. And I remember one day I'm going back to like day one. Cause I remember this event triggered a lot and I can't explain why or how, but all I know is I went to the beach. I, I went swimming and I got caught in a wave for like a few seconds. I was drowning and then I swallowed a lot of water and then it was weird because after that, I started to have a lot of stomach issues and I swallowed so much. It took me some time to like cough it up. And I don't know, it was, it was a very traumatic day for me, but I was a teenager and I remember having a lot of stomach issues, which felt kind of unusual and new. And then since then, everything went downhill. And when I share this with my GI doctor, he can explain it too. I mean, could have that changed the microbes in my stomach somehow, maybe. But um, I started having a lot of stomach cramps, stomach aches. Everything I ate started to be difficult to digest and it was painful. Um, I started to get weird ulcers in my mouth. And then to the point where my mouth was so ulcerated, I couldn't barely eat and it was painful to chew. And then. Now we're leading up until kind of late 2004, maybe around fallish, and things went from it was day and night. I I was dealing with those symptoms, but then I started to notice blood. My fatigue level went up the roof. I could barely get out of bed. I was a junior in high school, and I struggled to get through the day. And I constantly was calling my mom. I was. I was driving, I think. No, I'm sorry. I, I was not driving um, around this time. So I had to constantly call my mom to come pick me up. I would spend, I'd have to excuse myself from class and spend a very long time in the restrooms. And it was a very scary time. I, and mind you, I didn't know what was going on. I had never heard of Crohn's disease. And I mean, social media was non-existent then. So yeah, it was a very scary time. I didn't know what was going on and things just continue to go downhill and to the point where I could barely get out of bed. I could barely move. My parents would have to pick me up to move me from my bed to the restroom or to the couch. Had your parents tried to take you to the hospital at this point? Yeah, my parents. Yes. I had a primary doctor. So Aside what I was dealing with, I was seeing a doctor, but she was clueless as to what I was going through also. And she kept mentioning stomach virus and prescribed me medication that actually aggravated my symptoms, like NSAIDs. And I was taking ibuprofen because then that's all I knew what to take when I had pain. I didn't know you couldn't take NSAIDs with Crohn's. And, And then again, I didn't even know what I had. So things were so bad. I, it, when I went to the restroom, all I saw was blood. I, there were times in the middle of the night where I couldn't barely move from the, my bed and I didn't have a phone then. My, this is, yeah, this is the early 2000s. So it feels like a whole nother world. It does, doesn't it? A lot has happened yeah, between crazy. just the early 2000s. I mean, I feel like 
you know, 99, 2000, the internet still felt really new. I think I got my first phone in 2000, like the track phone prepaid. So that's right. Same <laughs> here. Whole yeah. different world. <laughs> I couldn't, I, I, I wasn't able to text my parents to let them know, let alone even like call out for their name. My bedroom was not very far, but I didn't have the energy to even like wake up someone or wake up a family member to um, get up and help me. So I I would have to crawl to the bathroom. And then, of course, in the way I'd have accidents and it was, it was like a murder scene. It was, I hate to be graphic, but I mean, having a disease like this, we have to be graphic. It's, it's TMI, but there was blood everywhere. It was, it was always, it was just a lot to deal with. And it was scary. Like I said, I remember um, during this time I was going through this before my official diagnosis, I remember going to the bathroom and seeing blood all over the toilet and the toilet seat. And I stepped in the shower and I'm like, I think I'm dying. I think this is what's happening. And I, I think that's when I came to the turns, like something is happening and I don't know what it is, but it's not good. And so we're nearing closer to my diagnosis. And this is like maybe January, February, and I'm in bad shape. I had my joints were inflamed and you could see it was really weird. I haven't had this since, but my skin was raised and, and my joints were inflamed, but, but the skin around my joints were, was raised. Um, they weren't even like rashes or like hives. It was just really weird. Like large raised parts of the skin. I couldn't bend my joints. I had lost over 50 pounds I was, I, I looked anorexic, but I was not anorexic. I couldn't eat. Like I said, constant blood, diarrhea, fevers, and I was withering away. And it, I was terrified. I was just, I didn't, no one knew what was going on. Not my doctor, not my parents. And I think one day my mom's like, no one is helping us. They, I think I'd seen a GI and they had mentioned Crohn's, but it was kind of like in a vague way, like, oh, maybe this is Crohn's. Maybe this is systemic ache. Maybe it's an infection. We don't know. But there was no official, they, no one took the time or the effort to be like, oh, let's scope you. Let's do further testing. It was just kind of like a guessing game until my mom was like, I give up. I, I need help. My daughter is not okay. And she took me to the children's hospital. They took one look at me and they admitted me right away. And I remember that night, it was just a series of tests. It was just like, I remember that's probably like my first, I pulled an all nighter. Like there was just tests, things going in and out of my mouth. They installed a pick line. Um, I had tubes down my nose. And like I said before, I could barely ingest anything so they had infused the prep for um like a colonoscopy endoscopy through the tube and I remember spending that whole night like it was so traumatic and so horrifying I kept going in the bed I was already struggling with diarrhea but that night was just horrible I remember the doctor took one look at me and he like he was trying to bend my joints and I screamed. It was so painful. And he's like, yeah, she's not in good condition at all. And I was sharing a room. I was at the, this is at the Radies Children's Hospital in San Diego. And it was a really large admission room, but I was sharing a room with another kid. And the only thing that separated us with was a curtain. And I remember sitting on a, I think it was like a portable, um, what are you calling it? Is it a porta? Like a porta potty? Porta potty, yeah. And it was right next to my bed. And my mom my mom was helping me in the middle of the night to to go. And there was a really distinct smell to my output. And I remember hearing the kid and her their parents were and they were complaining. And I remember even that was traumatic. And I'm just like, I already feel like crap. And now they're complaining about the smell. That was just, that's, that was a very traumatic night. I still talk about that with my therapist. 
How did you even get through that emotionally, mentally at such a young age? Were you even processing it at the time? I really, yeah, I really wasn't. Um, like I told you, I thought I was dying. I, I, I had no idea what a chronic illness was. Like, I, like I think I had once vaguely, like I said, heard the word Crohn's, but like no idea. I didn't even know you could live with a chronic disease in this way and just have to manage it for the rest of your life. I was completely ignorant. No idea what was going on mentally. I was, I was scared shitless. Like, excuse my language, like literally no pun intended, but like, yeah, it was very scary. And the next day they scoped me They did an endoscopy, colonoscopy, and then I remember hearing the words Crohn's disease. You, you, afterwards, after I waken up from the scope and I'm, the sedation is coming off, and I remember waking up and I hear the words "You have Crohn's disease," and I'm, I didn't even know what Crohn's was, but hearing disease was enough to like, just shoot like anxiety through my body. Like I have a disease what is that? Why, why me? Like, it was scary. And I thought that was, that was the end of my life. Like, oh, I have a disease, therefore I'm going to (laughs) die. And I had spent a month or so in the hospital. I was surviving on TPN, steroids, and then they had tried Remicade. I mean, it it was the most, probably most hardest month of my life. I mean, the months led to that were really hard, but that month, let alone, was extremely hard. Um, I lived in the hospital and I was just surviving. And going back to when they told me, oh, you're diagnosed with Crohn's disease, I remember the doctor telling me, like, you are inflamed and disease from your mouth down to your anus. And that is a sure sign of Crohn's because Crohn's can affect any part of the GI. Yeah, I had ulcers everywhere. So yeah, it took a very long time to get my symptoms under control, the inflammation under control. I was on a very high dose of steroids. I think it was like 60 milligrams. And I went from being anorexic to like gaining tons of weight. And I still wasn't able to eat. And then towards the end of that month, I went home on Remicade and I was feeling okay for like the first time in a very long time. And I went back to school and I was, I had the chickmunk cheeks from the steroids and no one recognized me. I had some friends who visited me during my stay there, which was, I remember really nice. It was just, it felt very comforting because mind you, this is my first experience with Crohn's. So my parents were there and my, my sisters, I have three younger sisters who were there almost every day had friends visit me, family visited me. So it was, it was a very scary time. It also felt nice to um, be supported. But when I went to school, besides my closest friends, I had, I knew a bunch of other people and I was very social. No one recognized me. Guys stopped looking at me. People stopped talking to me. They stopped saying hi to me. And that was a thing in high school, especially back in my days in high school in the 2000s where like you saw someone you hug them um and you greet them in the hallways and people stopped doing that because I had gained so much weight and my face had changed like what's wrong with her so and then I had to catch up catch up on my my education my school it was it was a very very difficult and I say that it's an understatement. It was a very difficult time in my life. First time experiencing something like this. And every time someone had asked me, like a teacher and instructor at school, or I also used to go to Bible study. I was involved in parish I grew up in. Priest asked me like, what's going on? Anytime I told them, oh, I have a disease called Crohn's, I would break down because even I had not resonated or even accepted what that disease meant to me. And I didn't know anyone with that. So I feel like I want to go back in time and give your young teenage self just a big hug. Like, yeah, (laughs) I mean, it's hard enough to be a teenager, just being a teenager, but to face all of those additional emotional and mental struggles and still not even really knowing 
exactly what the disease is and what it's going to do is just, it's mind boggling when you're young. What were some of the things that helped you to get through that? Were you able to start talking with anyone or were your parents just your support system? I'd say my family was my biggest support system, but I don't even think they were aware of the scope, like how big this was affecting me. I mean, this was a lot for them too, seeing their kid go through this. It was a big deal. Like no one in my family had dealt with an illness like this. So I think they were having a hard time coping with it too. But at the end of the day, we still had each other and they were still there for me. But I think, to be honest, I I don't recall doing anything or maybe speaking to anyone that helped me because it was so new to me. I didn't know how, how to go on about it. And I think the best thing I knew to do is just try to gain my quality of life back and go back and be a teen again. So did you ever find, take me through that next part of your journey, were you able to get that quality of life and were the treatments starting to work? What happened? Yeah. Because I know, I know there's more ahead in your story. <laughs> yeah, plenty of more. And I'm, I'll, I, I, I was emphasizing more on my diagnosis because it was such a, it was so impactful and, and, and it was a big stage in my life. But fast forward, the next few years didn't get any easier. The following year, I was a senior. Things were, I was kind of dealing with things on the surface. Like I was taking, I was taking Remicade and it was helping, but it kind of wasn't. In that first year of my Crohn's, I barely reached remission, but I, I'm sorry, I guess I'm trying to recall everything because now I'm a senior and I'm, and I remember Um, I'm still on Remicade, but I still didn't always feel great. And then I had developed a fistula, and that's a long story in and of itself. Like, I developed a fistula, and that worsened every, like, that made my disease even more complicated. And I spent the end of my high school, actually, I spent weeks and months away from my last year of high school as well. I barely graduated, and I, I had done a lot of procedures, many, many procedures. I was in and out of the hospital and and nothing really helped that, close that fistula. And the summer after I had graduated high school, my fistula started to cause a lot more problems for me. And I was, and it was so painful. I had a perianal fistula, so, which in which means the start of it was in my rectum and the end of it was down there somewhere. <laughs> um, very close to, I don't know how graphic I could be on this podcast. Forgive me. You can be as graphic as the disease is. It is, I mean, it's okay. Crohn's disease. Inflammatory bowel disease is not a pretty... It's not a pretty disease, so you have you have permission to share the truth. <laughs> Thank you. I had a rectal labia fistula. Being a woman, that is, I mean, let alone being a woman, that is very difficult to deal with. And it was scary dealing with that, too. So I remember fall 2006, I graduated spring 2006 and I spent that summer in and out of the hospital again and I was like oh this is gonna be my life I just gotta deal with it but I still have to go on so I try to start college I barely lasted a week I dropped out after a week or two and I was in the hospital and at this point I was actually at an adult hospital they had transferred me from children's to the hospital system which I'm a part of now called UCSD, University of California, San Diego Hospital. And um, because no one could help me with my fistula and my complications at this point, they're like, yeah, sorry, you're going to have to see another specialist. So I was in and out of the hospital at UCSD and trying to see a colorectal surgeon. Someone would help me close this fistula and it never closed. It just kept getting worse and worse for me. And 
on top of infections and other complications, not being able to eat and the drainages and the constant procedures. And I had cetons. I had, I can't explain. It's a, it's an interesting procedure, but I had cetons. They used artificial skins. I think animal skins, I think it was pig skins and graphic skin, all sorts of stuff to close this fistula. It would not budge. And because I had that fistula and things kept passing through, it was, it was a nightmare. I'm just going to put it and summarize. It was a nightmare. And they kept, and the colorectal surgeon kept mentioning an ostomy. And I thought, she's crazy. How, why would I do a surgery like that? I didn't understand it. I just knew it was a major surgery. And let me remind you again, this is 2006. I still didn't know anyone with Crohn's. I didn't even know what an ostomy looked like. But one day they were going to send me home and it was a few weeks before Christmas and I had given up. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't keep going in and out of the hospital. Things get really bad. My fish, I have to come in and they have to drain in and I, I'm tired. I'm, I'm, I was exhausted. And I said, you know what? I don't want to go home. You guys are going to have to help me. And they said, well, you can do the ostomy surgery. I'm like, okay, done. Let's do it. And I remember that night in December 2006, a nurse came in and that nurse was amazing. She was my ostomy nurse for the next few years, but she made a difference and helped me a lot cope with my ostomy that night. She was so comforting, so nice and tried to ease the whole situation for me, make me feel comfortable. And she talked about other women my age who had ostomies and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm not alone. And she marked my stomach where they're going to have the surgery, where my stoma was going to go. And the next morning I wake up with my small intestines sticking out of my stomach. And it was another traumatic, scary thing for me. And it was uncomfortable and I felt things travel through. And like, it was, it was, a, it was really an uncomfortable thing to go through and experience. And I spent a week or two trying to recover from that surgery. But then I ate my first like hamburger in years and I felt okay. That's a victory. <laughs> it was, it was, it was celebratory. It was like probably one of the best days in a long time since I had been diagnosed. I was like, oh, okay, I can get used to this. And the whole purpose of having that surgery, the ostomy, kind of diverting everything was to allow my fistula, my perianal fistula to heal temporarily and just to give my colon and my rectum a break to heal. Because at this point, most of my Crohn's was active in my colon. I had Crohn's colitis and everything kind of had healed, thankfully, my stomach and small intestine. It was mostly my colon and my rectum where I had my fistula. So I had my ostomy it gave me a break, but having ostomy alone was another thing to deal with. It was still scary for me. I was extremely, extremely insecure about it. I wore baggy clothes. I didn't want anyone to know I had an ostomy. I hid it from everyone. My Only my family knew. I think I had only one friend who had made known about it, but I shut the world out. I had a hard time coping with it. So for several years, I, I went through that. And in 2008-ish, I was like, I can't shut out my life because I have an ostomy I can't accept and wait around for my fistula to heal. I got to get my life back. I have to find a way to cope with it. So I got a job and I finally was gaining some of my quality of life back. And I went to makeup school. And then things started to get better. Things started to improve. And I was happy again. And after makeup school, I went to cosmetology school and I made friends there. I was being productive. I was being fashionable again. Fashion was a big part of my life. It was it was my dream. I wanted to be a fashion designer. But because I had dealing so much with my Crohn's from my teenage to my into my early 20s, I put all my dreams aside. And I just decided to go to beauty school because it sounded, it sounded like a good plan at that time. I grew up around it because my mom also went to cosmetology and I was like, oh, okay, I'll just do this for fun. 
But I think that time was a blessing because it kind of helped me find myself again. I started a date and and that's another story. And dating was difficult as well because I had not accepted my ostomy and let alone trying to share that with a significant other was very difficult. But I I managed through it. In the next few years, I worked on my quality of life and I went back to school. I went to college. I'm sorry, rewind. In my early early to mid-20s, I'd spent a lot of time trying to learn about Crohn's and trying to educate myself. And I used to go to the library. Um, I, the internet was around, but I, I didn't access the internet, like I said. Not like we do today. Today we're like no. internet 24-7, but right? early, early mid-2000s, it was still... I mean, Facebook, I don't think I got on Facebook till... 2009 or anything so it's like same it was still kind of things were slow (laughs) yeah (laughs) early internet days (laughs) exactly it wasn't my first resource my my first source to get information I grew up going to library and I went to the library I checked out books and I checked out books on nutrition and natural healing and on a bunch of diseases and I it wasn't until this time I started to educate myself about nutrition and diet and how that played a big role with Crohn's and our IBD. And I think it was around 2010-ish. I it, From 2006, since I had my surgery, up until 2010, I, I was in remission. It took a few years to kind of ease back and for the symptoms to subside and finally reach remission. I'm sorry, I'm leaving a lot of bits and pieces here. In 2007, I I started to take Humira when it was finally FDA approved. And I went to remission because of Humira. So that, that was a big reason why I was able to gain my quality of life back and my along with my ostomy and go back to school and be social again and engage in everything in life. But in 2010, I don't know what happened. I remember I was in beauty school and I was feeling awful again. I didn't get admitted, but I I remember I was going through a flare-up and I was put on steroids again. And I went through the whole thing again, take the medication, up my Humira, um, and I recovered. But it, it didn't take me... It wasn't as a big process as my early days, my early years with Crohn's, but I quickly, you know, went back. Um, I took a break from beauty school and then I went back, gained my quality of life. But overall, I was okay because I had my ostomy and that played a big role in helping me recover faster. But I still had my fistula and things never got better with that. It just kind of temporarily gave me relief because nothing was bypassing through my colon to cause more complications. Fast forward to 2017, I was in remission up until, I'm sorry, no, 2015. I was still going to college. I was working towards my degree in nutrition because after learning a lot about nutrition, I found I discovered a new passion and I wanted to dive deeper into that and be a dietitian and specialize in IBD and gut health. And I was like, oh, I want to help myself, but I also want to help others. But things went downhill in 2014. I was in college and I kind of repeated the same phase. I went in high school. I was in and out. Um, I was getting sick again. I was in and out of my classes. Things started to go downhill. My fistula, even though I had an ostomy. My fistula started to cause problems. And that was only because I have a temporary loop ostomy, which means things are still kind of connected. I wasn't fully disconnected where output can still pass into my colon. My Humira stopped working. So my symptoms became severe again, had problems with my fistula. And again, it, it was... It was a horrible time. I was very, very sick. I was in and out of the hospital. I stopped taking Humira. My doctor suggested I take Remicade again. The reason why I actually stopped taking Remicade in my early years with Crohn's is because I developed antibodies. And those antibodies started 
I don't even know scientifically this is how it works. I just know those antibodies caused a lot of other symptoms and it, I became disabled. Like I was in a wheelchair because of Remicade. But this time around 2014, my doctor's like, let's revisit Remicade. Hopefully, you know, you don't have those antibodies anymore. But unfortunately, it did the same thing. And in 2014, there weren't many other biologics. I think it was just Remicade and Humira. So I I didn't really have any more options. I And with my Crohn's, I had learned I cannot be in remission unless I'm on a biologic. And of course, steroids just temporarily give you relief only if you stay on them. And I was on them for several months. And then I started to feel okay. I was just at that 2014 and to the early 2015 started to feel okay, like a little better. And I went back to school again and I started to date and I remember meeting someone and that kind of just made me happier to have someone stick around because my experience with dating and Crohn's was never a positive thing. A lot of men would um, neglect and abandon me when things got bad. So this person was thankfully sticking around despite what I was going through. But things got really bad. Once again, my fistula started to cause a lot of complications. I started to have very, very severe symptoms. And when I, when I flare up, it goes from mild to moderate symptoms to like not only severe, like aggressive. Zero to 60. <laughs> exactly. And I was in and out of the hospital and it was really hard, again, to keep up with my quality of life and to be physically, emotionally available for my boyfriend then. And I was, I was just hating life. I was like, I just want to live. I, I want to be back in school. I want to get things going again. I want to work again. And I want to be with my boyfriend. This is finally someone I had found who was committing to me. But I, again, I wasn't emotionally and physically available, which was understandable to me, but I don't, I think they were having a hard time to understand that as well, why I wasn't always available. And I don't think they understood the, the severity of my disease. And then the night before, I'm sorry, no, I'm fast forwarding. So again, my options were very small and there were no other biologics. And I think Stellara was being studied, but it, it was far from being FDA approved. And they're like, yeah, it might not even be approved until following years. So your only option right now is to have surgery. And I'm like, crap, I, I'm not ready for another major surgery. I'm not ready to remove anything. I know even deciding to have my ostomy in my teen years was a really big decision for me. It took me months to finally be like, okay, let's have surgery. But now I'm, they're telling me I should remove my colon and my rectum, which would get rid of my fistula. And I would have to live with my ostomy for the rest of my life. And in my mind, all the years I had my ostomy since I had my surgery in 2006, up until that point, my whole plan was to close my fistula and reverse my ostomy. And then in 2015, they're telling me I have to have the surgery. I'm like, oh, wow, I... I don't think that's ever going to happen for me. And I'm trying to come to terms with it, but I was so sick. I was just ready to do anything just to get better. I was, I was desperate. My, I remember even like my mom taking me to, I, I was trying to do as much research as I can to help myself in any way I could. And mar marijuana wasn't, um, I think as it wasn't legal then, but, and, and I, I had never smoked in my life. I was never exposed to marijuana, but I was so desperate. I was in so much pain and dealing with so much. I was like, I'll even smoke because I know other patients who I've, I've met a few p other people by this time um, with Crohn's and colitis who smoked it because in 2013, I did, I raised money for uh, Crohn's and Colitis Foundation, and I did a half marathon in Vegas, and I was exposed to, I, I had met other people with ostomies and surgeries, or I think I've met a few other people with J pouches and fistula problems, so it was like, oh, wow. I'm sorry, I'm bouncing all over the place. Um, I'm remembering things 
along my timeline as I things you hadn't thought of in probably quite a few years. Yes, exactly. But yeah, it's 2015. They're telling me I have to have surgery. And I was really scared. And I felt very, very alone. And I was like, I wish I could. I wish I can talk to someone who's gone through this. Or I wish I could meet people who have at least experienced even a quarter of what I've been through to at least just to feel like I'm not alone in this. I felt very, very alone at this point in my life, even though I had friends and I had a partner and my family was supportive. I think there's just an aspect of this disease no one will understand unless they go through it. So I started an Instagram page because I had looked up sub like I had looked up like hashtags like Crohn's page or Crohn's disease to see if there were other people who would post about this. Um, mind you, I was very hush hush. Like I was very shy and insecure about talking about my disease. And I, and even though I had met people when I was fundraising for that half marathon who had Crohn's and colitis, we would only talk about it whenever we had meetings to train for the half marathon. So it wasn't like I had a relationship with anyone with this disease so I was like, I, I really wanted to connect with someone. And I don't know if there are other people who talk about this online, but maybe I could start something to draw people in so we can have a community. And that's when I started my Instagram page, Life with Crohn's. I had my personal Instagram page, but I didn't want to talk about my health stuff there with like people I knew my own community. I wanted a separate community of people. And so I started life with Crohn's and I just started post on there. Like I started a vent on there and, and, and how my social life affected me and how they didn't understand what I was going through and how I was always feeling invalidated and dismissed, how doctors invalidated and dismissed me. And I, share memes and I shared anything and everything. And P I started to connect with people. People started following me and I'm like, Oh, cool. There, there are people who get me. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. Um, I had friends who I talked about fashion, hair and makeup and boys and school and like, and there's stuff I could connect with my family over a whole bunch of other things. But there's no one in my life I can talk about my health personally and, and and feel validated and feel heard. And so my page made a huge difference in my life. And I was documenting my my journey as I was going through that flare-up. And I even posted about my surgery. So we're leading spring and they're talking about the surgery and I was once again I was withering away I my life was just slowly disappearing from me and I just I couldn't accept it I just I could not wait around for the next medication I wanted to go back to my life my and have a quality of life again I wanted to continue to um, have a relationship with the man I was with um, I was like no I'm gonna have this surgery it's my ticket back to my life. So I was preparing for it. I saw a colorectal surgeon. It was a pretty big surgery, proctocolectomy. There's colectomy and there's proctocolectomy. That means removing your whole colon and rectum. And I wouldn't have a chance of having even a J pouch or reversing my ostomy. That means removing everything down from the ileum, removing everything from the ileum and down. And I will permanently stay that way. That'll, That'll be my anatomy. So it was scary. It was a very big decision. But I think after speaking to a colorectal surgeon and I had posted about it and I had met another girl who had that surgery and I asked her like, hey, what's your experience? I forgot her name, but she's from England and she was amazing. And her, she had a normal life with a permanent ostomy. Um, she didn't have a proctocolectomy. She had a colectomy. And that means they could still um, reverse her ostomy and possibly give her a J pouch. But um, I still wanted to at least hear someone's experience going through that. And she did. She got back to me and I was like, oh, that's okay. Great. She has a quality of life. You know, even though she had to remove her colon, um, maybe I could have that too. 
And so I decided to have the surgery. And the night before my surgery, my boyfriend broke up with me over a text. So I went to that surgery emotionally just heartbroken. It was in every act, like physically, emotionally, mentally, I was broken. But I was just, I was ready to have the surgery. And I did. And it was brutal. It was a dark, dark time for me. The recovery took months and it was scary. And I still have to talk about that time um, in my life with therapists because I went through a lot. It was brutal. I say that a lot because it really was brutal. And that was 2015, right? That was still in that time frame. Yes. So fast forward to now. I, I went back to college eventually. I started to work again. Um, and so at this time, I'm doing hair and makeup while I go to school because I went to beauty school, like I mentioned before. I was doing it at the side. I, yeah, I started to do a lot. Did you come to accept your ostomy finally? Oh, Did you make I, peace yeah. with it? <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I, and I had come to accept it and just to live with it even before the surgery. But at this point, I had no choice. So with my platform and raising awareness and talking about my health, which included my ostomy, it helped me just to become even more comfortable. Like I thought I'd accepted it before, but I accepted it even more when I had my page Life with Crohn's because I was able to share pictures. I had never exposed myself to the public like that. I took pictures in my bikini, which I never did before. When I went swimming, I would wear t-shirts. I'd wear something to cover it. But I gained a whole new level of confidence. And then I slowly started to meet other people, the ostomies, and they were doing the same. And it just, it was amazing. So talk about now. Are you in remission now? And what did it take for you to get there? Because I've seen (sighs) some of your posts. I mean, your journey is still... Uh, there's a lot in your journey because I know, you know, there's, I wanted to ask you about your mental health going through all this, but I know like if you're in remission now, I think you just recently posted something about TPN, total parenteral nutrition. So yeah, talk to me what your life looks like now, how, how it progressed since 2015, you get the surgery, you're confident with the ostomy, talking about it more. What, what does today look like? Um, today is far from perfect. Um, I've, I've, my Crohn's reverted after my surgery in a matter of months. I told my doctor, like, I don't want any more medication. I just want, a f- I want to be free of Crohn's. I'm, I'm, I was worn out at this point. So I tried to get off medications, but that didn't work. So I tried Stelera. And, and, and since then, it's just been a series of trying biologics, biologics, because my Crohn's unfortunately reverted. In some cases, patients who have Crohn's and have a colectomy surgery technically are cured. And in some cases, patients will continue to flare up. And unfortunately, that's been my case over the years since um, I've tried many biologics. And I recently just went through a terrible flare up. And I had a pick line and I was very malnourished. So I was getting TPN and fluids at home. And I recently tried a drug called Skyrizi. Um, and I know that was one of the newest biologics. And unfortunately, I didn't respond to that. And then I tried Rinvoke in June. And thankfully, thank God, that biologic is honestly the reason why I'm evil, able even able to speak to you today. Um, I spent the whole summer on steroids, TPN at home, and it was difficult. I had a difficult summer, but it, it I got through it. And I'm, I, I think I can finally say I'm in remission, but I literally just removed my pick line last Friday. So I'm still in the early stages, I'd say. I'm still trying to ease back into life and eat again. And um, once again, trying to gain my quality of of life back. What do you think has helped you 
throughout all these years that have been so challenging to really help you push forward and have a, I mean, right now you have such a positive persona and outlook. And I know on your Instagram page, you share a lot with humor. What has helped you to mentally stay focused and looking at the end goal? The first thing that comes to mind, um, I'm a very religious person. Um, and my faith, my Christian faith has played a huge, huge role in helping me. It's been my driver in getting me through very, very difficult times. Of course, I'm not here to preach or impose on anyone, but personally, that's been a very, it's been a vital, it's played a vital part in helping me get through a lot, um, and help me stay focused and just, you know, get through it and find purpose in my life and purpose in my own suffering. Outside of that, I think I have developed the mindset like I I want to contribute something to this world and I can't be doing that if I'm not positive. And I know some things are, my disease can be out of control sometimes. So I do my best to look forward to the light at the end of the tunnel. And no matter how far away that is, it can be years, weeks, months down the road. I just know it's there and I have to just kind of remind myself. It, it, I can be going through a procedure or I can be in the middle of pain and I'm like, oh, I need to take this pain med, but I know I'll get through it as long as I just take this step. I, I don't know. I've always had that sort of, that drive to just to keep going. And I don't even know how I still have it. It's definitely, I'm not going to lie. It's worn down over the years and I'm getting tired, but, um, it's, I still have that string of hope and that thing to push me through. So thinking about community and how much that's played a role in kind of your journey of just accepting ostomy and the disease and meeting more people, with Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, what made you, when did you kind of start transferring your Instagram? Because you talked about in the beginning, it was like ranting and, and sharing things, but you're really focused now on sharing a lot of educational pieces of information about the disease and a lot of humor as well. So when did that kind of take a shift and what are the types of things that you try and focus on with that? Um, I think... The first thing that comes to mind, I think the further I went into my education, um, so I finally graduated my bachelor's last year and that pushed me to want to share more. I'm like, I have a degree now. I'm like Nutrition? Yes, nutrition. And I, I still have a long way. I, I want to be a dietitian. I have to go back to school. So I'm kind of using my platform to educate people. Um, when it comes to nutrition. In fact, in 2016 and 17, for two years, I traveled with my doctor. Um, I was a panelist for these conferences for Crohn's and colitis, where doctors and patients would come and hear my testimony. And then I would advocate for nutritional therapy and talk about how diet and nutrition played a role in my life. And I think I was one of the few patients my GI who would talk about this because I don't think nutrition gets as much, or maybe today it does, but years ago when I brought up like the specific carbohydrate diet with my doctor, he's like, I don't know much about it, but if you want to try and it helps you, great. And so I did. And I, and I tried many healing diets, which helped me in some way. And he had asked me to join him to advocate on that. And that kind of opened the door to like talk about it more. And I do. And, and I advocate not just about nutrition. I, t I talk about mental health. I talk about medications. In fact, if I have questions about anything, I put that on my page and I let the community join in and share their experiences. And I try to share that with back with the community because not only is it helping me, it could help someone else. Well, talking about nutrition, how does nutrition play a role in your overall management of Crohn's disease at this point in your life? So over the years, and we all know Crohn's is very individualized. Like no one has the same symptoms and no one has the same trigger foods, although there are common triggers, especially having an ostomy. I've had to learn what works for me and what a trigger food for me. 
And I have to be very, very careful what I put into my body because not only could it trigger my symptoms, it could cause me tremendous amount of pain. And unfortunately now, because I don't have a colon, my Crohn's tends to like stay active at the end of my GI tract, which is my ileum, um, my stoma area. So I, I just have to be very mindful of what I put in my body and is it feeding disease? Is it feeding, is it going to cause me pain? And I just, I journal it sometimes. And sometimes I'm just kind of, I just have to pay very close attention to what I ate yesterday and how is it affecting me today. So there's a lot that goes mentally into that too. Well, we've covered a lot with your journey, your story, and what is something that we haven't talked about that you wanted to share with the audience today? Gosh, I, I know there's a lot that I would share, but I, I'd say if there is one thing I would share right now, I'd say if you're listening to this and you're thinking, she, she's been through all of that and she's still struggling. Yeah. All I can say is you're not alone and things may not get easier, but you know, there's, there's still a lot more to life. I have a cool life outside of Crohn's. And I think that's what, like I said before, keeps me going and drives me to stay positive in all of this because my life is not only Crohn's. And I also get support from therapy and I see people, I seek help. I seek help. And I think that's been something I've been, I've told, I've had to tell myself over the years, like it's okay to ask for help and to talk about things and and I try to advocate for that on my page too. I'm sorry, I'm, I don't want to go off tangent, but yes, you're not alone. And if you ever need someone to talk to, um, you know, you could reach out to someone on my platform or any anywhere on social media. Um, I'm just glad there's a huge, big community now compared to when I first started this Instagram page. People are more open to it open to sharing about and advocating. And I'm just so happy that there are a lot more people I can connect with and people can connect with other advocates in the community. So yeah, again, you're not alone in this journey. That's a wonderful message. So if people do want to follow you, connect with you, keep up with your journey, where do they do that online? Um, at Life with Crohn's. Right on Instagram, I am working on, it's been a very slow process. I'm working on a separate blog website. I do like to write. So I want to be able to connect my posts to a blog, but that's, that's still in process. I'm, I'm working on it. But if you guys following, follow my page, you will hopefully see that soon. Perfect. I look forward to your blog coming out. I can't, I can't wait to see more of what you're doing and, and more that's ahead. And I love watching your Instagram page in the meantime. Thank you. Thank you so much for all that you're doing, for sharing your story today and for sharing humor and education on your page and just being a part of this community that makes IBD so, really makes IBD manageable to know that we're not alone. So thank you so much for the work you do and for being a part of it. Thank you. It was a pleasure um, meeting you and speaking with you today. It's a pleasure. Any last words before we wrap up the show? A part of me wants to share a joke, but I can't think of something. <laughs> Crohn's is shitty, but it doesn't always have to be. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you love these interviews and want to support the podcast, visit my website at Crohn'sFitnessFood.com where you can browse my featured products page to shop the companies I love and support. Make a donation using the Buy Me A Coffee link to send a little love, or grab a copy of my book and IBD story, Crohn's Fitness Food and My Rocky Road to Health. If you have an IBD story that you want to share, send me an email at story at Crohn'sFitnessFood.com. And always remember, be strong, be grateful, and keep going.